I'm Alex from Rehasher from Gainesville, Florida. I'm Jacob from Palamoding from Gainesville, Florida. I'm Ricky from Whale Farrell, uh, Tampa, Florida. And you're listening to the Around the Turntable podcast. Welcome to the Around the Turntable podcast. We want to thank all our listeners around the world for choosing the Around the Turntable podcast to make your day a little more fun. The rules for our game are as follows. Each episode, we go around the room and everyone in our group gets to choose a single song that fits our category of the week. This week, we've got a guest artist, Ricky from the band Whale Feral, um, and he will be sharing a new single from his band at the end of the show. The categories are themed towards the week guest artist, or in other cases, chosen by you, the listeners of the podcast. If you want to submit category idea, just give us a follow on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us there. Give us your reacts to the show. This week's category is drum roll, please. live tracks so what we are looking for here are the live versions of great songs already released music that has become a live version or is performed live by the artist that originally recorded it so in that spirit jacob what did you bring to the around the turntable podcast this week? uh so you know this one is off of a classic live record uh, from the mid 90s, uh, 12 year old Jacob gets this CD, takes it to his room, and puts it in the uh, CD player. And a couple songs in, you hear uh, a change of pace, you know, from what's kind of like an acoustic record uh, or supposed to be an uh, unplugged record. Uh, it kind of becomes more electric and um, get this driving, uh, driving guitar riff. You get through the whole song, my mind is cracked open, and then at the end, the singer says, that's a David Bowie song. Uh, and so, my song is The Man Who Sold the World, uh, a David Bowie song, performed by Nirvana on uh, their Unplugged in New York record from 1994. Oh my god! <laughs> that's such a good one! <laughs> Why didn't I think of that for this? I can't believe, like, I did not even have MTV Unplugged like in my mind at all when we Don't started this, as well. but that is wow, that's it. <laughs> Pull. Awesome. All, all right. We are about to hear the legendary cover, The Man Who Sold the World, off of the MTV Unplugged album by Vana. We passed upon the stairs Spoken walls and well Although I wasn't there 
And the song you just heard was The Man Who Sold the World, originally by David Bowie, covered by Nirvana on the 1994 album MTV Unplugged in New York. Ricky, why don't you uh, give us your react on that? I mean, it's it's incredible. Like, the... the um, I started thinking of good shows and... and plug didn't that that of course like everybody's gonna bring it when they do that and that's just like that's an iconic show period they're set from that and then to take a cover like that it could feel the way they did is incredible um and and i love the way he's <laughs> just the kind of savvy with the way he talks it out of it and then they're even even it, it's outside of the performance itself the just kind of the you get the you get the beginning of of them talking about like whether or not they're just going to completely change the key um <laughs> it's just a really cool thing that in a particular live track really i think exemplifies what's so exciting about live music period and that it, it is and every night you do it yeah, absolutely. I was going to say for me, um, you know, this whole this whole thing was an interesting it's just like an interesting experiment for Nirvana to present themselves this way. You know, like here's like one of the most raucous, loud bands in the country and they're coming here and presenting themselves in this like almost like orchestral setting with a seated audience, you know, and they're playing acoustic, you know, acoustic. They've got, um, I think at one point they've got a cello player coming on stage, right? I mean, it's just such a different vibe for that band. And it really exemplifies um, what I just actually read in this paper that I had to read while I was studying for my master's was basically talking about the way that MTV Unplugged became a way for bands and artists to present themselves as serious mm -hmm. artists, you know, and be taken a little more, like, taken a little more seriously as authentic um, and thinking artists, right? Um and so, you know, when you see a pop artist kind of come on MTV Unplugged, that's almost what they're doing. And I feel like Nirvana was one of those, the first trailblazers in that respect. Um, and, I, and so, you know, when I hear this, I just, I hear that moment and that, that beginning of that phenomenon. Um, and really it was, it was that moment for Nirvana to become taken more seriously. Uh, by the general public as artists and so yeah i love this yeah choice. i mean this I for me good. you know it's like have you know this at performance the recording of it um it was something that totally shaped my musical taste uh in my my adolescence and my my early teen years uh not just you know the actual performance but there were so many covers on it you know like he's covering you know the vaselines and the meat puppets and and uh you know uh, this you know where did you sleep last night a classic like a blues standard and there's just so uh so it it expanded my musical world 
in a really profound way as somebody who was just like just learning to play guitar at that time in my life and just starting to think about what a live performance you know was um and and the best part about it at all is you know it's an unplugged performance and i'm, I'm doing air quotes here uh <laughs> yeah and, and <laughs> And, and, you know, Kurt has a custom-made Martin guitar with a fucking pickup in it made. And, he, you know, he's obviously using a pedal on this song um, to get the tone he does. Uh, and so, you know, top to bottom, it's like it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's changing their own narrative uh, by going into an unplugged. And then it's changing the narrative of the unplugged model by bringing, you know, essentially an electric guitar to the unplugged performance. Um yeah, it's it's it was uh, it jumped out at me immediately when this topic came up. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad it's, it's resonating with y'all too. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the cello on that too. I was actually just talking with somebody about that the other day. I'm a big Ava Brothers fan, and I was kind of like oh, the, the decision for them to add the cello. They always talk about what an influence this particular set from Nirvana was on them, and I, was, I think that the cello that was a it, it sits at an interesting register of, I've always, I think the cello sounds sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was going to say even, I mean, this was so influential on me as a musician too. Like even, um, you know, I will say like my dad, my dad was like a huge Nirvana fan. Right. So when um, the DVD for this became available, it was like always <laughs> on in the household. And when, I was watching it and I was like watching Dave Grohl using like rods and brushes and stuff when he played, I was like, Oh man, I should try getting some of those myself, <laughs> you know? And that actually it, uh, inspired me to, to start working with those um, kinds of textures as a drummer too. Um, so, you know, just speaking of that influence that it has on all of us as musicians, I mean, yeah, it's such an impactful uh, recording yeah. for sure. So, I also want to come back to something Jacob said about changing narratives, because I want to segue on that note into my pick for this category, because it was a narrative changer for the band um, that I'm presenting. So the band that in question here is the band Cheap Trick. And so Cheap Trick were not really like that hot of a band in the United States uh, in the 70s. And then what happened was basically they got really big in Japan. And so their management thought it would be a great idea for them to go and record a live album in Japan. Uh, that live album being the album at Budokan. Now, what's interesting about that is, based on that recording, it then comes back to the United States, and it turns them into a sensation here in the United States, and they became a much bigger band um, based off of this recording that they made in Japan um, at the recording live at Budokan, uh, released in 1978. Now, the track that I chose off of that album is the one, <laughs> the only I want you to want me. Such an epic performance. <laughs> Which if you it's heard, so good. Oh it's my so god, good. it so is, right? <laughs> I know, right? 
And when you when you go back and you listen to the studio version after you hear the, the just the rippingness of this live version, there's I, no I going in, back. Right? I was in a friend's um, the other day and he had the studio version on, and I was like, "Who is this?" I didn't even think it was Cheap Trick. I was just like, "This isn't the <laughs> the one that I have ingrained in my brain is not the studio version at all." It is yeah, the version, yeah, <laughs> right the live version and that's what i thought like i was like man this like this really just like sums this up like when when the live version becomes the definitive <laughs> version right so without further ado we will hear i want you to want me live at budokan And that was I Want You to Want Me from the album Live at Budokan, 1978. Ricky, why don't you give us your react guest first? I, I, I love the pick so much. It's just, you know, you talk about, you know, it it taking over the studio version in your mind like as soon as you said it to i hear it in my head that i want you to want me it's like i remember that that's at the beginning and then you i also got a kick out when i went to pull it up on spotify it came up above the studio version too which is just funny um but i love the um the style of rock that it is too it's like the the way the drums kick it off you you feel the energy you feel exactly how many people are there from the second the recording starts and then like at the end you can hear like the crowd just like overtaking it's it's an iconic performance and uh, i love it it's fun fun band um i got good pull you know it's funny too you mentioned that that thing about the crowd and how you feel the crowd you know i didn't even know this until i was trying to like research the track a little bit before before the session and it was like apparently this thing like cheap trick was like considered on the level of like beetle mania out in japan around this time like when their plane landed like they had the the, the full greeting party and like girls throwing flowers at their airplane and stuff when it was coming down onto the tarmac you know and it's like that you wouldn't imagine that for for cheap trick at all right but um apparently it reached that level so um anyway jacob do you want to give yeah, us your take on that? just follow up what you were just saying i mean if you listen to that entire entire record the the crowd is in it 100 percent, top to bottom beginning to end of every song you know anytime there's a little bit of beat that you can catch they're clapping along to it they're screaming at the top and bottom of the songs uh it is you know a great a great example of uh, an audience that's fully um, engaged with, with the performance that they're witnessing, uh, which is really awesome to hear. Um, I love the song. Obviously, this is really the version of the song, um, which is, uh, you know, incredible. Uh, Rick Nielsen uh, ripping up the guitar, like, the entire time. 
uh, dropping in and out of the melody and, and working counter melody throughout it. I mean, it's, it's, a it's a masterful, um, <laughs> masterful guitar work throughout as far as really supporting the song, which is something that Rick Nelson's always been great at. Uh, so yeah, this is a definitely top of the top for live performances, uh, and especially ones that eclipse the studio versions. All righty. Well, now that lets us move on to our guest pick. Um, Ricky, you are the inaugural guest on the Around the Turntable podcast. Uh, so why don't you give us your pick, the first ever guest pick on our I podcast. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Um and I, I I went through there were a, a couple different immediately as soon as you you mentioned the category, an out in my head like immediately, I hear live recording rain goes there, and I was like oh is that too obvious? Um, almost went with something off the Avitz Live three. There's this beautiful moment where, uh, of if you guys have heard Live three by the Avitz they. They have a song on there twice, and one of them says it's Battle of and Hate, and it says um, start, and it's like he actually messes up and then starts again, and they they left that on the album, and I thought that that was a really cool moment, but I had to come back to my gut and was like, yeah, the second he said live recordings, this came to mind, Killer Live Band, one of my biggest influences, um, our my band Whale Farrell. Um, Almond Brothers live at Fillmore East. That record just captures so much energy, but there's long songs on there. <laughs> but <laughs> I think um, a really iconic one, and, and um, kind of glad I went with in the end because it, it kind of ties back to the whole cover theme we had going earlier. Um, but I got to go Statesboro Blues, first track off Almond Brothers live at Fillmore East. Classic. Oh man, Almond Brothers! Like, yeah, I mean, like, they're—I don't think they get enough credit just as musicians, like their pure musicianship in general. Like, they're just like one of the baddest bands out there, going toe to toe with them, like in a in a jam live environment. I mean, that's that's tough to beat. So, gosh, all right. We're going to hear Statesboro Blues by the Allman Brothers on the Around the Turntable podcast. Wake up, mama. Turn your lamp down low. Wake up, mama. Turn your lamp down low. You got no nerve, baby. Turn up or down from your door. And welcome back to the Around the Turntable podcast. The song you just heard was Statesboro Blues off of the live album at Fillmore East by the Allman Brothers Band, 1971. Um, 
I'm gonna take the first react on this one, and man, um, one thing that I love about a great, like one thing that I think makes a great recording, live recording, or any recording, is a sense of urgency. And when this one comes, I get a sense of urgency away. It's like, bam, here we are. This is a statement, you know? Um, and you get it as soon as the band comes in with that, those hits. And then when they get into the groove, I mean, just, man, they just, that shuffle is unstoppable. <laughs> it's incredible. And you got the slide guitar um, that became a signature of this group. And it, it just contains, I think, all of the strengths of the band. I think if there's, if there's one thing that I wish that I got to hear a little more in this recording, it would be the guitar harmony element that became a staple of the band later on. But other than that, this is like Almond Brothers at their finest. I love it. Jacob, what do you think? Uh, what a fucking banger to start a show off with. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, just really, an, you know, a great version of this song. Uh, you can't go wrong with the tone from those Gibson solid bodies and Marshall amps. Uh, you know, Dickie and Dwayne uh, doing it together and, and doing it right. Um, a, you know, amazing standard setting performance. Um and a great pick. And I just want to also say, uh, I appreciate that you didn't have us listen to whipping post, uh, which for me is, is the <laughs> highlight of this, of this album, but at 23 minutes long, probably is on the long side for this podcast format. <laughs> yeah, Alex is first is we're doing live versions. Let's try to keep them under 10 minutes. He knew where my, he knew that would have been the poll. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ricky would probably choose like some like 45 minute Grateful Dead thing. I would probably choose like, you know, like the 45 minute version of Dazed and Confused off a song remains the same. Like, We're all guilty of being that guy. So I can't take, I, I appreciate it, but I can't take that, uh, that compliment without a full disclosure. <laughs> I would have done it. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I got to say, um, first of all, thank you all for giving us um, all of those picks. Those were those were great. Like, those, I mean, like, I loved every single song y'all brought to the table here. Um, but we are here to celebrate our guest artist, Ricky of the band Whale Farrell. Um First of all, before before we get into this, can you tell us where the band name came from? What does it mean for the listening audience? So it has a uh, where it came from and and what it means are kind of uh it it in my my eyes kind of they're it's almost two separate questions. But um, as far as where it came from, that's, that's top secret uh, information there. But as far as um, a meaning that it, it, um, it has come to mean to me is um, kind of what we try to stand for as a, as a band with, with what we bring to our live show. And it's kind of like a, a big 
untamed sound like a like a feral whale and um <laughs> in the fact that there's a significant amount of improvisation that goes into our shows um and, and um we don't make set lists um so it, it kind of we we try to embody that um it kind of came about uh is it, it now it's 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 almost a mission statement for me now if that makes sense that segues, yeah, absolutely. That segues perfectly into what we're about to talk about, which is what we're going to do is introduce the world to your new live recording. Yeah, right? so um, we record uh, we record every show because since we're trying to improvise so much, it you uh, it's nice to go back and hear it because it's it's different every time, and and sometimes we hear things that's like oh we may want to develop upon this further. Um, it, it um because it's so different every night you're kind of trying to also get those moments like it, it all it always works i mean you know for the most part uh but but sometimes you get a moment where everyone's kind of hitting flow state and playing just a little bit outside of their um they thought was possible like because if we're all pushing boundaries and playing sometimes you have those moments where you really do kind of we're lightning strikes and 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 kind of are, are with recording everything then you kind of always have a have a bottle for it and um and sometimes you, we talked a lot about shows and stuff that you know some sometimes the band is just really cooking that night and um and so we um we we a song called haunted um that was actually from this same show a little while back and we're we're getting ready to kick off a, a fall run of shows um we're gonna be in tampa on friday um from when this comes out friday friday um what what yeah, date uh, exactly i'd have this pulled up oh here we go um we're uh august 19th we're at spark and wharf in tampa September 17th, we're at the local in Neptune Beach. And October 29th, we're at Rudy's Pub in Lake Worth. Um, and, and, and so it'll all be different. We're not, we're not going to uh, usually don't repeat songs. Um, we stretch the songs a little bit, take them for a ride. And in that, everything's different. And, um, and you know, when we get a grouping like that, we, you know, it kind of, it's, it rolls, you know, you know how it is when, when you're on a run, you're, you're a little more oiled. Um, there's, there's nothing that can sharpen a performing live over and over. And, and so some of those shows that you, you kind of tap into some, maybe the sounds really good that night on um, improvisational music. You got to be able to hear each other. Cause we're literally just having a musical conversation. Um, this night, the sound was really good. We actually had our buddy, Alex Garcia, um, engineering the show, he mic'd it, and um, he, he like he placed all the mics, mixed us at the show, and then he wound up being the guy that makes the recording as well. Um, so he engineered this whole thing, um, so that that led to some some good quality stuff. And um, so we went back to that show because we were like, oh, there's there's got to be something else cool on here. And we found this, and we we're just like, oh hell yeah, this is this we got to put this out. And um, so, yeah, excited to share it with you guys. 
And you want to tell us the name of that track? It's called Whiskey Hole. And um, it, it, yes, Whiskey Live Hole. at the Range. Oh, yeah. And this is, in, this is cool because you guys are Gainesville. This, is, uh, this was at, a, at the, uh, the Range in Gainesville. Oh, hometown. <laughs> Gainesville shout out. All right. Well, we are going to close us out with the track Whiskey Hole by Whale Farrell out now on Spotify and wherever you want to hear music for Ricky from Whale Farrell and Jacob from Palimony. This has been Alex from the band Rehasher, and you've been listening to the Around the Turntable podcast. Have a great day and spread the word if you like what you heard. <laughs>